Hey, what's going on, everyone? How's everyone doing? Mad Jarbo here, Milk Carton Mysteries, episode number 51. I will fully admit it has been a little bit since I posted an episode. Unfortunately, as always tends to happen when this is a hobby, is life gets in the way. And I don't know how well it's going to be going into the end of the year, but I think I've got a good lineup on it now. I got it under control. So we're going to dive back into the contemporary look at true crime. I know there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there that you listen to. I listen to a bunch of them myself. And uh, the difference between me and them is I'm talking about what's going on right now. So if you want to stay in the know, if you want to stay up to date with the latest and craziest stuff that's happening around there in the murder sphere, be sure to give me a follow over on uh, Instagram.com forward slash Milk Carton Cast, the newly launched Instagram. Apparently, that's where all the that's where all the players go these days. You got to make sure you're over there on Instagram. Uh, and if you are listening to this on Spotify or on iTunes or on YouTube, do me a favor, uh, go and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify specifically, because I do think that there is a, a great way to get into the algorithm and a great way to support the channel and support the show would be just by doing that. So I appreciate that and, and, and that uh, out of the way with all that uh, rigmarole out of the way. Why don't we dive right into today's episode? I've got three stories that uh, are sure to keep you interested, keep you engaged and keep you fascinated. One of them is about a teen who has been arrested in connection with the death of another eighth grader. And uh, the, his, his whole situation is interesting. We've got the story of uh, a couple, a mother and a father who have pled guilty to the death of their toddler. It is uh, not a story for the squeamish. Uh, and then, of course, the final story is going to be talking about a soldier, a military guy, uh, who went missing and has now been found. And uh, we're going to be talking about that and some theories I've got going into it as well. So without further ado, let's jump into the first story of the day. All right, so let's talk about this uh, this situation out of Great Falls. All right, out of, out of Great Falls here, we've got a teen who's been arrested in connection with the death of an eighth grader. Uh, he's now been charged with negligent homicide as a result of this. Now, agencies are currently investigating after first responders found a deceased eighth grader while responding to a reported shooting in the area. Uh, a release from the Great Falls Police Department says that they uh, were dispatched about 5 p.m. To, to the report of a shooting on the city's east end. When they got to the scene, paramedics, police, fire, all that stuff, they found a juvenile dead. They At first, they refused to identify the juvenile. He has now been identified as 14-year-old Antonio Carlos Theory Jr., who was an eighth grader at the East Middle School. Uh, right now, they are listing his official cause of death as a gunshot wound to the chest, and the manner of death was homicide. Now, that's what I find to be interesting here, because they've charged somebody, another teenager, with negligent homicide. Uh, and they're saying that the manner of death was homicide. So I'm a little bit confused with how the manner of death was ascertained, as well as the DA's choice to prosecute, uh, charging with negligent homicide. Now, uh, the Cascade County Sheriff Jesse Slaughter, which is an awesome name, by the way. Uh, also, look up Jesse Slaughter on the internet, because there is actually an internet personality with that name as well. That's a weird one. That's a weird rabbit hole. Uh, she says, 
that the Great Falls Police Department is leading the criminal investigation into the incident. Right now, the GFPD hasn't released any motives. And at this time, the death is being investigated as a suspicious death. So they're ruling it a homicide. They're saying that it's suspicious. And a teenager has been charged with negligent homicide. I can't be the only one that's like, what? I mean, I feel like they're trying to skirt around some issues here. I feel I, I can't help but feel like they're trying to skirt around making a specific claim or not. Now, right now, uh, there have been no arrests that were made, but they did say that there is no danger to the community and officers and school district staff are being asked to keep themselves from spreading any rumors since they can, in fact, the family or impact the families that are involved here. So think about this. This is a sensitive issue. So, I mean, as all murders are sensitive issues. But looking at the players involved, the two teenagers involved, uh, both are eighth graders. It, uh, it's, it's interesting because now you've got the police trying to say, please don't spread any false rumors. Please don't really discuss this. Keep it, you know, under wraps to an extent. Don't let it blow up into something. And and that to me uh, is, again, highly suspicious, even though my own internal theories for this story don't necessarily back that up, to be fair. So this is what uh, Lieutenant Doug Otto of the GFPD is saying. Now, when it talks about the uh, the, the the rumors, he says they infect the investigation by getting a lot of misinformation out there that our detectives have to chase down and either prove or disprove. And that creates a lot of chaos, but it's the worst part of it that it creates chaos for the family involved. And we don't need these families going through any more than what they're dealing with right now. It's easy to get caught up in rumors and gossip, and it's incredibly hurtful in situations like this. Says the superintendent of uh, Heather Hoyer, who's the superintendent of the, uh, of the school. She also goes on to say here, so I just stress that our community, please be sure you're accurate when you pass information on. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to be callous. I'm not trying to be a dick. But this is, you're never going to, I mean, this is what we call the Streisand effect to some extent. When you try to shut something down that is otherwise benign, but it ends up drawing more attention to it in the first place. That's a lot of what this is. So if you've got the superintendent and you've got the police coming out and they're like, look, watch what you say with rumors, they can really impact the families. And in theory, it's a good idea. The sentiment is good. The idea there to protect people and their feelings during these hard times, absolutely on the right. I completely agree. Right path. Problem though, and this is true. The problem though, is that now that you've drawn attention to it, people like me who don't even live there, people like me are going to sit there and go, well, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to keep away? What's going on here? I don't get it. I don't personally get it at all. You know, I mean, it doesn't make any damn sense to me. Now, they did say here that in response to the death, and this only just makes it more difficult, right, in regards to this keeping rumors under control thing, because in response to the death, the Great Falls Public School crisis team will be available to parents, students, and staff in the coming days. So clearly a tragedy of, of an eighth grader uh, of, of being shot and killed in the chest, uh, you know, Antonio Carlos Theory Jr. being shot and killed. They, they, they're talking about it being suspicious. 
a teen has been arrested for negligent homicide. And they don't want people spreading any rumors, but they're going to have uh, counseling staff available. To t- I mean, and that's always good, by the way. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so, you know, I don't know. But we do have a name of the suspect who has been arrested in connection. 14-year-old Connor Sfingen has been arrested in connection with the death of Antonio Carlos Theory Jr. He has now been charged with negligent homicide. So for those of you who don't know, negligent homicide is a criminal charge brought against a person who, through criminal negligence, allows another person to die. So let's speculate. Let's theorize. Let's kind of run through the Occam's razor of what could have happened here. And again, this is just my theories. You are more than welcome to come up with your own that could agree with me or disagree with me. It's all speculation right now. But until we know, we don't know. And all we're left to do is talk about it and guess. Your take on that is is valid, as valid as anyone else's. But here's where my, more my mind goes on this right away. Accidental, right? Accidental. I think uh, Connor had a gun, whether it was his parents, probably. I think they were playing around with it. I think that he shot Antonio. Uh, and he he didn't say anything about it is what I think. He didn't call it in. Uh, he freaked out and let Antonio die. And so it was an accident. But he didn't do anything to try to save him, which is that's where the negligent part comes in. I don't think that it was a hit or that it was uh, a murder on purpose. It's definitely a homicide. So we can see that the death being suspicious kind of adds to my own theory. But maybe they got into a fight over something. Maybe they were playing Fortnite. Maybe they were playing video games. They got into an argument and that's where it happened. I don't know. But I just I just remember all those PSAs from the 80s and 90s about, you know, accidents at home with guns, kids getting access to guns and, and accidentally killing themselves, a family member, a friend, whatever. And that's what I'm immediately drawn to here. Now, am I overthinking it? Potentially. I can acknowledge that. I can I can I can think about that, you know. But this, these are 14 year old kids. So you got to look at it from their perspective as well. And it, I just feel like it's a horsing around thing. But then, because the gun goes off, it shoots him in the chest. He's he's bleeding out. He's dying. And then Connor does nothing. You know, and and I'll tell you this, there's a, a Connor actually made his, uh, his debut on the news a year ago when he was interviewed by a local camera crew when they were talking about a local rock climbing competition where he had actually, actually competed quite often. And the boy a year ago looked, I I don't want to say the word soft because he's a child and that's not fair, but it didn't look like the kind of person who would do something along the lines of this from a malicious perspective, which is why I am inclined to think it's an accident, but because of his actions after the fact, negligent. Now, granted, Granted, the uh, the police and the superintendent of the school district have asked people to uh, have factual information. And of course, I'm speculating my ass off here, but I don't know. These are things that make you think. And I, I don't think it's I, I think this looking at it from the from the overall perspective is going to be what is going to be more interesting here.
because I think to get a better understanding of what went down. However, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions on this one. Let me know down in the comment section on YouTube. And uh, if you guys are wanting to find this on uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk card, love to hear your thoughts on it as well. Okay, let's talk about this situation where it's going to be difficult for me to get through this story because it's um, uh, it's disgusting. You've got a, uh, a mother here uh, and a father couple pleading guilty to the murder of a toddler. Yeah, let's find out more because, uh, you know, if you want to ruin your Monday, this is how you're going to do it. So Anna Marie Pablo, 23 years old, and her boyfriend, Zachary Four, both entered guilty pleas on Friday in Madison Circuit Court Division 6 to the murder of Pablo's 11-month-old daughter, Emery. Okay, so uh, the, the judge, Judge Dudley in this situation, asked Pablo, did you contribute to the death of your daughter? And she simply responded back with yes. Now, the couple had told authorities that they took Emery to the Lafayette home of Pablo's uncle the night before her death and returned to pick her up the next morning. That, of course, is their excuse. Their excuse is, well, we took her away for the evening. Now, the uncle, here's the kicker. This is what happens when police do investigation. They find out that the uncle lived in Anchorage, Alaska, and has since 2006. So 14 years he hasn't lived there. So that story goes up in smoke. Now, both defendants at this point, uh, because of this plea deal, are facing anywhere between 45 and 60 five years in prison, 45 and 65 years. That would put Anna Marie Pablo at the age of 88 years old, potentially to anywhere to, to, uh, or 68 to 88 years old by the time she gets out. Now, if this was just a standard negligent homicide of a child, they would not be looking at that kind of time. So it just gives you an idea of what we're talking about here, the, the levels of neglect. Now, during uh, his court appearance, Zachary Four sat at the county jail with his head down while the deputy prosecutor outlined the crime. This is what we know. Edwards, and Emery, or Edwards this is from the prosecutor, said that Emery, the child, had multiple bruises and was in early stages of rigor mortis when she was brought to St. Vincent Mercy Hospital. So she was already dead by the time they brought her to the hospital. She had multiple bruises, was in the early stages of rigor mortis. Uh, if I recall correctly, rigor mortis roughly sets in uh, about 90 minutes after death. If I recall, I could be wrong. I'm sure someone will correct me. Now, while police were searching the home, they found a bloody diaper, multiple dry and wet clothing with bloodstains on them, including baby clothes, a onesie that Pablo said Emery was wearing was under a vanity sink cabinet soaking wet with bloodstains. What do they do to this child that would cause so much blood to get cast around the apartment? You know, these stories are always hard because this is an 11 month old child we're talking about here. And, and, uh, I have a, I have a about to turn three year old daughter and a 15 month old daughter. 
So it's like, it's hard to not associate with that. Anyway, but you know, the question then becomes why? Why did this happen? Well, authorities don't really have a motive just yet, but what they found inside the home might give you an idea. Authorities also discovered syringes, a couple of them, a metal spoon, digital scales, and a pill cutter in the bathroom that all tested positive for methamphetamine. So they were cooking meth and cutting meth. And somehow the baby is dead. Now in the bathroom, they found blood stains on child's clothing, on pillowcases, blue rags near the bed and the sweatshirt that Zachary Four was wearing at the time. During uh, the autopsy here, this is where we find out the, the cause of death. And I just want you guys to be aware of that. The Madison County coroner, Daniel Noon, said that the autopsy showed that Emma Marie, or the Emory, had signs of both suffocation and strangulation. So she was suffocated and she was strangled and she died. An 11-month-old. While her parents cooked and cut meth in the next room. And when they found her, they found multiple clothing items that were wet and dry, covered in blood. So the question then becomes, what happened? Well, my own speculation, my take on it, and this is going to get a little graphic. So I apologize. But what I'm wondering is, did they break the child's nose while they were trying to shut her up? Now, why would they be trying to shut her up? Paranoia, perhaps. They're high on their own supply. She's crying. She's screaming as 11 months old do when they want attention or they want food. They're very easy to understand. They're very easy to understand. Children really only have like three emotions. They're very easy to understand. But when you're high on meth and you're in a situation where you are cooking or you're cutting or you're doing illicit illegal things, it does make a lot of sense that obviously in this situation, they would need to make the child quiet because they're paranoid that somebody could call the cops. And in the process of doing that, it just, she doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. They break her nose, all this blood. She keeps on crying. So they do everything they can to shut her up, including the absolute unthinkable. And that's my horrible take on it. When I, you know, the story doesn't go into a lot of graphical detail, which is good because I, I actually want to sleep tonight. But there's a depravity there when you've got people that, who, who have children, who shouldn't have children. And now they're both going to spend the vast majority of their life behind bars because they took a plea deal, admitting, acknowledging, accepting that their dumb, stupid, idiotic behavior and their response to most likely a crying child who probably just wanted a bottle and to be held by her mother. They chose to take a life and now they've lost theirs. And you know what? I don't feel bad for them. I don't sympathize with them. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. These are shitty people who've done a shitty thing, a really shitty thing. And as a result of that, lock them up. I'm okay with it. I am. I'm okay with it. 
I really, really, really am. So anyway, let's let's talk about this last story of the day. All right, and this one's an interesting one coming out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, because you had a five-year-old missing persons case that turned into a cold case uh, back in 2015 when Fort Jackson uh, soldier, what was his name, Sergeant First Class uh, Johnny Johnson, was first reported missing December 10th, 2015. He was 36 years old when this happened. And according to uh, the Richland County Sheriff, Leon Lott, that whole case has now been solved. And they've ruled it a suicide back in 2015 when uh, he was reported missing. When Sergeant First Class Johnny Johnson was reported gone, there was a search of his home and his vehicle and all his belongings were still there, but a gun was missing, which is always a bad sign. They looked at his bank records and they found that he had only spent 20 bucks in gas and cigarettes from a gas station uh, just a couple days earlier. That was the last thing he had done. And they actually had him on videotape completing the purchase. They conducted searches of the area. They found nothing. So just a cold case. This guy up and went missing. This Fort Jackson soldier, Sergeant First Class Johnny Johnson, up and gone. And from there... It went cold. That is until the Sheriff's Department cold case unit took it over in 2018. And they decided to look into it. In fact, um, Sheriff Leon Lott here does say, when you work a missing persons case, that's one of the things that gets you is when you can't bring closure to a family, when you can't say we found your loved one, we know where he or she is at. And that, of course, is something I think a lot of officers in these cold case departments think about that they get tasked with with bringing closure to the family more often than not, more often than not to bring closure to the family. Now, the investigators did say here that they had always really suspected suicide. And they repeatedly searched the backyard of his home on the 500 block of Manny Court. Now, not much information here is known about his home, why he was drawn to it, but it was his former home. And oftentimes we have deep connections with our former homes and we kind of long to go back, maybe depending on what it is, you know, going home again. Was it his childhood home? I have no idea. Now, again, there's nothing from 2015 until 2019 when a surprise find from a local citizen actually showed a potential crack in the case. What they found was a jawbone from an African-American male. And then taking that information to the cold case squad, a lot of them started putting it together. So they were asking, well, who is this? Who could this possibly be? And then they looked through their cold cases or they looked through their missing persons. And they said, well, that's when the determination was made that Mr. Johnson was obviously a good potential. So I I do find that to be a bit confusing, if I'm being honest with you. So someone found a jawbone four years after he went missing, like to the month. They looked at the jawbone. They determined that it belonged to an African-American male. And then they started going like, hmm, hmm, who, who do we know who's missing? And then they figure out that it could be Mr. Johnson, that it's obviously a good potential is their words. And this is coming from the county coroner, Gary Watts. So I don't know. I I find that to be a bit weird. 
Now, the thing is, the, the jawbone was found on the 3100 block of Trotter Road, which is about a half mile from Johnson's home, so it's not far. So how, you might be asking yourself, well, then how does a jawbone make its way a half mile away? Well, the reality of it is uh, it makes its way, uh, you know, animals, rodents, right? Scavengers, carnivores, dogs, coyotes, things like along those lines might have dragged it. It's not unheard of or uncommon. Bones get scattered once uh, once the body disappears. There's not much holding it together. Now, DNA was taken from the jawbone. Uh, this is back in December 2019. But because of COVID-19, it actually halted and uh, slowed the uh, the results. And so then what they did is they kept going back and they kept bringing cadaver dogs. And they were able to find uh, what they say here is additional human remains were found October 3rd, 2020. So a little over a month ago. So so they, they've been searching this guy's area. They've been searching his home for all this time. Couldn't find anything back in 2015, right? No cadaver dogs. They always assumed it was a suicide. His gun was gone and his belongings, vehicle were there. They assumed a suicide. But then they bring up cadaver dogs after finding this jawbone. And then they find additional human remains. Now, October uh, 12th, so a couple days later, his pistol was also found in the same area. Again, again, four years. Four years, a gun had been just sitting out there. Not even that. Sorry, it's October of this year, right? So five years almost. His gun was just sitting out. The neighborhood isn't that big. I, I saw a photo of it. It's not that big. Uh, and it's only half a mile away from where they thought he was. But that's, again, am, am I the only one that's just getting like a suspicious vibe out of this? Like, oh yeah, no, they found a jawbone and then they found, uh, they, they found some additional remains. They, they found the gun. They all of a sudden, they start finding everything, but they couldn't find this five years ago. But on October 30th, Fort Jackson confirmed that the DNA submitted to army investigators was in fact Jonathan. So DNA confirmation. Uh, the coroner says here, DNA was sent off to the military and they were able to match it up. We knew then that we were dealing with Mr. Johnson Four main searches that involved over 20 people. But the sheriff here says, based on evidence, his death was ruled suicide. Now, no other information about why he would have committed suicide. And that's always a question, isn't it? Like why, you know, I mean, not to, to trivialize mental health issues, Suicide rates are up in 2020 due to COVID-19 and the, a lot of other reasons. Uh, I believe we need to invest more in mental health. I really do. But it's still something that I question. It's still something that I very much uh, am, uh, am curious about. So let me give you guys my take on this, right? Because I, I just find it so weird. I just find it so weird that it's like they, they couldn't find him for five years, but then magically all of a sudden, they find his gun, they find his remains, they find a jawbone. Well, the jawbone was a year, was a year earlier, but they finally went back and they looked around and they found it again. I it just doesn't I mean, doesn't it feel to to you like there could be potentially something else there? I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I just I'm not necessarily trusting this. Now, I mean, you know, the the cops did a good job. They they really looked at it to the best of their ability. The the sheriff does say he's proud of everyone who worked on the case. This is what good shoe leather police work looks like because of their tenacity. We are able to bring some closure to the family of Sergeant Johnson, which is true. But there's still something that's in the back of my mind that it doesn't quite 
fit. I don't know yet. Maybe, you, maybe you're thinking like me. Maybe you're not thinking like me. It could really go either way. I have these weird takes sometimes, these weird theories. Get some interesting comments. I'll tell you guys that. But as always, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. Because that's what the show is about. Conversations and looking at the news as it happens. So anyway, guys, that actually wraps up today's episode of the show. I appreciate that. Uh, again, sorry for being gone as long as I was, but uh, just it is what it is. If you guys would like to help support the the show, you totally can by going over to patreon.com forward slash Matt Jarbo uh, and, uh, and just kind of joining up at, uh, you know, like a dollar or two a month really does help out. Uh, I do a couple other things uh, on there as well. So I, I do appreciate everyone tuning in. Remember also uh, instagram.com forward slash milk carton cast is going to be the, uh, the official page over there. I just feel like when it comes to talking about your crime, Instagram is kind of the better place for it. Twitter, not so much. Facebook, yeah, totally. But like Instagram is connected to Facebook, so that's how I look at it. Anyway, uh, you guys can always email me, milkcartonmist at gmail.com if you want to submit stories. Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton if you want to submit stories. I'm always looking for new things to talk about. There's always a lot going on. And uh, as the show grows, as it expands, as it, as it goes beyond where we are right now, who knows what's going to happen. I look forward to sharing the journey with you. I'll talk to you all later. Have yourself a great day. Uh, thank you again for watching and uh, peace out.